Hi, I'm Josh Escovito. And I'm Scott Hervey. Welcome to another edition of The Briefing by the IP Law Blog. Josh, today we're going to talk about the hazy state of trademarks in the cannabis industry. There's some very interesting interplay between state law and federal law, and it can leave brand owners in the cannabis space bleary-eyed in frustration. Josh, why don't you tell us about this? Well, Scott, there's a huge disconnect between the federal and state law as it concerns cannabis, and it goes far beyond the enforcement of whether it's criminal and whether it's not. I mean, that's really the underlying issue, but it goes beyond that. It goes to trademark protection, which is something we frequently talk about here. Uh, because cannabis products are on the schedules for the Controlled Substances Act, it is a controlled substance under federal law. And as you know, the Trademark Examining Manual of Procedure and the Lanham Act clearly prohibit uh, the registration of trademarks on the federal register for marks that are registered in conjunction with an unlawful use. And so brand owners in the cannabis space find themselves without the biggest sword of trademark protection. Right. And that, that lawful use requirement is a federal lawful use. It doesn't matter if it's legal in California or Oregon or Colorado, which creates this very big problem and logjam for uh, brand owners and product owners in the cannabis industry seeking to protect their intellectual property. So, you know, there are strategies that we recommend to our clients in this space. Josh, why don't you tell us, uh, tell us about our strategies that we recommend. Sure, Scott. So first, we recommend that our clients register their brand as it applies to ancillary products on the federal register. So you would seek to register your brand in conjunction with rolling papers, tobacco, uh, things of lighters, things of that sort. And that would provide a certain level of protection. Um, but you often get a rejection or an office action based upon the Controlled Substances Act. But after you explain that it's with tobacco or hookah, uh, not necessarily cannabis, you can generally get the mark registered. Uh, in addition to that, we recommend that our clients take advantage of the state laws that we often recommend that our clients forego because the federal law is just so much uh, more powerful and provides a larger number of benefits than the state law. But since it's not available, we recommend that our clients file to register their brand or their, their mark with the uh, California Secretary of State or, or whoever the governing body is who registers marks in the relevant state. Right. So you've got this, you know, kind of spotty protection where you've got federal protection for ancillary products, obviously assuming that your client is in fact, um, you know, using the mark in connection with those products and not just, you know, faking a use for registration purposes. Um, so you've got registration for ancillary goods and you've got registration in certain states, uh, but you are uncovered with regard to your primary product in other states. Uh, that's kind of an incomplete scope of protection and leaves clients vulnerable. What do you, what do you, what do you think about that? Well, like I said, it's an imperfect fix, Scott. So, I mean, I think the client can try to protect themselves if they're doing business in both states, but that's often not the case. I mean, some of the larger cannabis companies are doing business in multiple states, but a lot of the cannabis companies are strictly doing business within their state. 
if that's the case, I suppose an argument can be made that you're protected in your primary market. And sure, somebody could be using your mark in Nevada, and if they make low-quality product, it could have an impact on the goodwill of your brand and what people think of your brand if they associate the two. But at the end of the day, you're just without the necessary law to do anything about it. Yeah, and the interesting um the interesting fact about that, and I think it's, you know, the chickens will come home to roost later on down the line when, if and when, the federal government delists cannabis as a controlled substance. Like what happens where you have a California mark owned by party A and you've got the same mark in Nevada owned by party B? What happens when they seek to register their trademarks at the federal level? Um, I mean, there are the, the you know, the federal trademark laws do allow for concurrent use. And my thinking is that the parties are going to have to engage in a concurrent use proceeding and probably divide up the United States somehow. But I mean, that's probably good work for us because it's going to be like litigation type work before the Patent and Trademark Office. But it's going to be very, very frustrating for cannabis brand owners. Or Scott, it's at least possible that the federal government may for the first time employ some sort of first to file requirement and actually give priority to whoever the first cannabis user is who gets their application on file with USPTO. I mean, it hasn't been done before and it's not generally how United States trademark law works, but I mean, it's a, it's a issue of first impression. So it wouldn't surprise me to see some sort of new procedure. Right. Who knows, Josh? I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Josh, thanks for a real interesting report. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this installment of The Briefing by the IP Law Blog. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, visit our YouTube channel, don't forget to subscribe to that as well, and check out our website at theiplawblog.com. Thanks. Thanks.